Okay, I'm going to mute that. Seems to have the audio now. Well, I think you guys on it last, last towards the end of the last episode there a bit. But Hunter's Orange is the uh, the uh, main thing. Uh, I uh, have purchased a backpack that is Hunter's Orange that I specifically use in the fall. Uh, so that's a big thing for me because my regular backpack is is you know like a brownish olive. Uh, so that's the main th one of the main things for me. And I try not to frequent areas that are, are being heavily hunted. Well, uh, that's how it works in most areas. Nova Scotia, with, hunt, with hunting, um, you don't necessarily have to have permission to, to, to hunt private land in, in Nova Scotia, as long as it's wooded and non-cultivated, much the same as fishing. Uh, it's encouraged. I mean, it's just proper etiquette, really, to ask if you're hunting someone's woodlot or something like that, but there's 
there's no guarantee if you think you have permission to go camping on somebody's 200 acre woodlot that there isn't people hunting. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately, uh, it's really, I think, safe. People get hung up on it, oh, being hunting season, I shouldn't be going hiking or whatever. It's really safer than it's ever been, though. Um, hunt, uh, today's day, but the bushcraft phenomenon, people getting into bushcraft has been great. It's gotten people back out into the woods. Uh, that really hasn't struck with hunting. Uh, the, the large swaths of crown land out around here. When I was younger and in my teens, if you took a drive out some of those, they're called fire roads or whatever, there'd be vehicles packed everywhere for hunting. Uh, I've gone out, uh, you and I, and I think Jeremy camped out at uh, that lake we on the fire roads last August. Uh, that road used to be Grand Central Station for hunting, you take a drive out there the first of deer season, you might see a vehicle or two. There's way less people in the woods now. Outside, they're, they're sort of more centralized. They're around fields. They're around populations because that's where the large populations of deer in that are. And unfortunately, people used to get out in the woods and you know hike two miles back in the woods hunting. Now. 
uh, it seems to be the opposite that people just don't want to get out in the woods, which leaves it for those of us who, who likes to get out there too. Uh, but I do use bells, uh, particularly for my dog. I did more camping last hunting season than uh, I think I ever have, and including with my dog. And I have a little uh, bell on him when we hiked in the spots. Now, uh, we never seen a soul. Uh, never even, actually, I, I, I lie, I seen one person on the way out coming in on a bicycle. So it was doing a mountain bike track but we certainly didn't see any, any hunters or anything. You don't. Uh, with deer hunting, it was, I think if you went back to when the, they first implemented the buck law, when, when I first started hunting, it was basically brown, it's down, people used to say. You could hunt, any, you know, doe, buck, didn't matter. Now you have to make sure it has horns in most cases, unless you have a doe tag. Uh, that's a lot different, more difficult. Uh, when you're walking through the woods, you jump a deer, you're not going to have, most times you have no idea whether it has horns or not. And uh, bear hunting, bear hunting around here has always been around bait for the most part. And uh, one bait site could haul bear in for miles. So if you're not hunting on bait, you're not going to have much of a chance with the terrain that we have in Nova Scotia to even see a bear. Most people, most Nova Scotians never even seen a wild bear before. So that, that's made people sick. It's really one of their own. It takes a lot of skill to still hunt big game animals. And there's not a lot of people with that skill. I think they're saying, sorry to interrupt, Ben, but I think uh, they're saying that there's no audio for you.
Have it now. Okay, I'm gonna mute that. Hello, hello. Testing. I'm just seeing where we're at now. Robert just joined. Robert just joined, so this might throw a whole new wrench in the looks. Hey, buddy. What's up? I've been trying to tell you you have no audio. Did you get that figured out or what, I man? I, I'm not 100% sure. So we had tested it earlier, and it seemed like we were getting it, but like uh, Gary had it up on his TV, and maybe it was picking up on through his mic. Um, all right. I literally ran in the door and jumped on here, so catch me up, gents. Chatting about hunting while camping, are we? Yeah, well, a little bit of both. We kind of, well, I thought we had covered sort of camping, like things to do while you're you're camping, like putting bright objects near your tent and stuff like that and making sure you wear bright gear. And uh, Gary mentioned especially like having a bell like on your dog and stuff. Uh, but then we were just starting to get into like hunting while camping, things you can do like snaring rabbits and and small game and taking a rifle in with you and, and spending a day or two or three just in the woods enjoying it and, and that extra activity um, we hadn't said this yet but it's not not so different than what we do all summer when we take the fishing rod and go fishing and and, and have an overnight trip it's it's another excuse to get out i hadn't really done it myself until last winter and uh, I think one of one or two of my videos, I went hot tetting back in the woods, and I did. I took the fishing rod again when ice fishing, but I also set snares on my way in. And once I made my camp, I set a few snares around, and uh, ended up catching rabbits that night. And I really quite enjoyed the whole experience. Caught a couple fish, got a couple rabbits. Uh, so I definitely plan on doing more of that this year. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great add-on to your your trip and another excuse basically to get it, which is what I'm always looking for, is just another excuse to be out there, some something else to do. Not that I found I've ever been bored while I'm out there, but I mean, just getting in, setting up a camp, and getting your you know some firewood done for your stove or for your campfire and all that, all that takes a fair bit of time. But that that other part of it, uh, it definitely adds to or and alters the trip a bit. Um, and honestly, uh, snares are a bit of an art in themselves. Uh, it's been a little bit while since I've done them. Uh, but, uh, well, you can I almost do. say that about any real trap, to be honest. If you don't yeah. practice it a little, it, it doesn't go well. We've seen that with that spring pole trap that we tried to set the very first time. Worked two or three times before we started the video and then shot the video and it fetched up, right? Yeah. Well, and uh, the last time I went camping, I'm not going to say exactly where, but last time I went camping, uh, there was a ton of mice in the area, so I decided to just see if I could make a deadfall trap, just to see. And I whipped one out pretty quick. Uh, and uh, we never... It, it, the, the mice were safe, put it that way. Uh, we did bait one, <laughs> bait it once and left it there to see, and we got up in the morning and the bait was gone and it didn't fall down. And later on, we were standing there, it just fell over in the wind, right? Uh, it's a deadfall trap, uh, you know. I think the trick with that is numbers. You you definitely want more than the one. 
Uh, and it is sort of the trick with uh, snares, although I've got a buddy who swears if he puts out 10, he's coming back with 8. Uh, I've rarely had those kind of success rates. I was going to say, those are excellent odds. Yeah. <laughs> I really just got back into snaring last year, just again as an excuse to get out and uh, discovering my family liked uh, ground rabbit meat, so that got me out even more, but I really enjoy getting out and, and uh, you know, exploring new areas, maybe set up 10 or 15 snares. I rarely set much, many more than a dozen. Yeah. I'll just set up a dozen, then come back and check them the next day or so, and then and then move on, try a different area, learn a different spot. Yeah. But I was more in the 30 to 40% success rate. <laughs> That's, a little bit more along with the rest of us. That's probably a bit closer to where I was. Sometimes more like the ten percent. Depends on the we- and, and the and the weather and and stuff. And sometimes we'd set a couple on the same run just because we have one. I, I remember we tried for quite a while with one, and he always kicked the first one over every time. So it was I was hunting with my dad at the time, and he's like, "We're gonna get him," and he went back six seven feet and stuck another one, and six seven feet more, and he stuck another one. One of the three got him eventually. <laughs> so, have you guys talked about uh, potentially hunting while you're out camping? I, I assume yeah. that's where this trapping conversation has come in a little bit, eh? Yeah, it's briefly. I mean, it's which, like I mentioned, you know, you can take a shotgun, go small game and stuff. We could do deer and stuff too. And when I was yeah. hunting moose in Cape Breton, uh, we actually stayed in in one of the parks just because we felt that the dryer was really nice uh, i'm not gonna lie all day out in the woods in, in cape breton it, it was damp and wet all the time we used to come back to waikagama park and we just threw everything in the in the dryer uh, the rest of it was the luxuries i could have lived without but nice warm dry clothes in the morning that was awesome <laughs> And big game hunting brings its own challenges into it if you're trying to camp and hunt big game because what do you do if you get the big game and you're really far back? You know what I mean? Now you potentially have to lug all that out or you have to come out and get somebody with you. I mean, personally, small game and hunting to me goes hand in hand. I, I think I mentioned last week I want to try and get out and do some uh, some bird hunting and maybe a camp over as well. Yeah. No, no. that that Even big game, though, like – if you're back a bunch of woods roads and stuff like like where we we had been hunting we we were back there's a lot of guys with like small campers and stuff and they weren't going a huge distance from their camper but it gets you further back it 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 allows you to be in the area so when you get up in the morning you don't have to do the 45 minute to an hour drive to your hunting ground you're already there you know Mm. now you can you know you get up you have your cup of tea you know, probably got that bowling for even out of bed. Even in, in tents and ha- hammocks, we do that, right? And next thing you know, like as soon as your feet hit the ground, you you got your 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 shotgun, your rifle, and you can you can hunt like right away. Now, I think you'll both agree. Right next to your campsite, you may not see as much because they can smell you, they can sense you. But I mean, you can you can shoot things right from sight. Same, the campsite, right? I've got my tent in the morning under fresh snow and had rabbit tracks all around the tent. So yeah. See, you woke up too late, Gary. 
<laughs> yeah. I just mentioned that it was sort of my reintroduction to bushcraft because, you know, I did summer as a kid and, and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, after my mother passed away, my father was like early 60s. He went up, he'd been, he's always deer hunted, but he went out and he was going to spend a month, the month of November in the woods. And it's it. And uh, I went out to visit him, and he was the one that he had a three, four season tent or whatever. But he had his kitchen area, he made tables out of sticks, uh, little walls for wind blocks and stuff. And he did all the stuff that we talked about with bushcraft and, and right now from tables, even a toilet, basically a, a throne to sit on. Uh, he had that stuff all made. Yeah. And uh, he would stay out there for the season. And if he shot a deer, you know, he'd hang it up in a tree. If it were warmer, climate, uh, warmer uh, a little bit on the warmer side, he'd have cheesecloth. And he could always call out every few days. And if he needed someone to help him come in, I'd go in and help him get a deer out. But that's sort of what got me back into doing the book back and stuff was seeing him. That, that whole month that he stayed out there with all the little things he did, uh, projects he did when he wasn't hunting. And you know what? That That's a story that you don't hear a whole lot anymore. I mean, when I was younger, uh, maybe 13, 14, I used to hear that a lot about the old fellas that were around home. You know what I mean? They'd go out first month, maybe a month and a half of hunting season. They'd go out, they'd make a bushcraft shelter or uh, not a bushcraft shelter, I guess, more like a a bushcraft hunting base, yeah. uh, kind of like poles, tarps, somebody would drag in some sort of stove. And that's literally where they stayed until they got something or they basically ran out of provisions uh, or weather turned or something like that. But I mean, when, when was the last time modernly you heard somebody doing something like that? I, I don't hear it a lot anymore. Maybe I'm out of the wrong click, I guess. Yeah, yeah you don't. Well, it seems to me making a little bit of a comeback now, which is nice. Well, the deer populations are definitely higher up now uh, than they have been in the last, well, I guess the last couple of years have been fairly high previous to that. Uh, as we know, they go in cycles. Most wildlife does. As the coyote population goes up, deer are going to go down and is, you know, then they'll hit the plateau where there's not enough food to sustain the the coyotes they'll die off deer go back up so we're kind of on that the top of the bell curve right now uh and yeah for anybody that wants to get out it's actually a real good time to get out there's um lots of opportunity in a lot of the areas now uh, and of course i encourage everybody to check their local bylaws and stuff a lot of the areas you don't need a, a doe tag which opens up even more experience for somebody that's new getting in there uh, I, I don't know about yourself, Gary, or even you, Ben. I mean, I like to go get a nice little buck, get the rack, something like that, stay traditional to it. But, I mean, somebody going out there just to get meat, if my freezer was empty, uh, it's nice to be able to take that dough if it's if yeah. it no longer has bonds and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. That just happens that the last two years I've got an eight-point buck each of the last two years. But especially with, like, this COVID stuff, uh, I'm certainly paying a lot more attention to, you know, some self-reliance type of stuff. Uh, you know, we're canning stuff from our garden. Uh, we're, you know, if I get a chance at a nice doe, uh, because I bow hunt and rifle hunt, uh, I certainly 
would more likely take it this coming year than what I might have a year or two ago. Mm. Because I want stuff for the freezer, like our, our vegetable gardens and stuff for freeze and stuff and that. Just because you right now you don't know what the next year is going to look like. No. Well, that that's just it. There's a ton of uncertainty coming around here. What about yourself, Ben? I know you guys were uh, you were dabbling with dehydration there for your camping trip, but I, I assume much the same. And I see. Now that Gary's already jumped down this rabbit hole, uh, I've seen in the bushcrafting group or click, whatever you want to call it, it seems COVID has really brought a lot of uh, extra preparedness and repracticing of long-term storage skills. Mel and I, we have started stocking up on dry goods, started making dry goods, uh, a lot more jerky and stuff like that being made, much like yourself, Gary. If I see a nice dough this year, uh, I'll probably give it a real hard look and depending on what time of the year it is i may very well take a doe myself much like yourself i i bow hunt and rifle hunt uh my passion's bow hunting rifle hunting uh i do with the father-in-law a little bit uh he's he's better at rifle hunting than me I, i'm not a good rifle hunter I'm, I'm okay with a bow not so great with a, uh, a rifle much like my fishing the same stance so if I can shoot it with a rifle, I, I, I'm probably at a distance that I could also shoot it with the bow because I, I don't have the time to set up multiple spots. I uh, I do the I in close or uh, personal hunting, I call it, because uh, I find bow hunting is just that. Uh, but just as often as not, if I get it with a rifle, it's from the same stand and I'm getting a deer from 25 yards or something like that. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I do hunt in a different location for bow than I do with rifle. Just the rifle, um, of course, where you need that extra distance and stuff like that. We have a nice little spot set up. And the advantage of the bow, of course, is your distances from dwellings and stuff like that is significantly reduced. So that opens up a few more opportunities where I don't have to travel as far. Uh, but other than that, even our deer stand, it, I could probably take one with a bow, much like yourself. It's... Uh, it's not that far away, but once again, I, I'm big on the bow, even the crossbow. I don't know if you can see them behind my head there. I think you can see the corner tip of my compound bow. But um, it, like you said, it's a more personal experience. Uh, and for anybody that really wants to appreciate where their food comes from, it, it's definitely something to try out if you think you have... Um, I don't want to say the stomach for it because that's not the right term. The tenacity for it, I think, might be the... The better definition there because there is a lot more into it than just you know putting the animal down and harvesting it uh there's a lot of time going into the prep and you know tracking if you still want to do that or setting up a bait site or just setting up a blind uh it's definitely a good experience for anybody out there that really wants to get a first-hand idea of what goes in to getting meat that you can uh, end up with you know like end product on your plate yeah um see i grew up that was where a lot of the meat I ate growing up came from. Uh, it was big game, game meat. Um, and it's only now where I haven't really had the time and area to do it. I, I mean, I've done two moose hunts since I got to Nova Scotia. I've never tried hunting deer, personally. Um, small game is, is something that used to be a huge passion of mine. Uh, and it's just, just finding it when and where I can do it has always been my challenge. 
But uh, mm. now that I've gotten back into bushcraft in the last few years, I now have a much better idea of where I could and can and, and should go for a lot of this stuff. But if you're not from this area, honestly, it's, it's a lot more complicated than maybe you'd think. Uh, the rules here are, are much different than what I was used to. But yeah, it's, it's something a lot more satisfying about knowing that the food on your table, you went and hunted and, and managed to harvest it and process it. You know exactly what's been done with this food all the way to the point where it got to your plate. And it's healthier, generally, uh, unless there's something wrong with the area where it's been, been feeding. Uh, your meat is leaner, it's, it's cleaner, there's no antibiotics, anything. With it. As long as it's been properly processed, aged, properly kept clean, you end up with a much better product. There's no, no doubt in my mind with that. Um, so it's a, it's a great experience and it's an excuse to get out there. That's, I think me and you said that last one, you know, you've gone before without your arrows and not really been overly upset about it. Yeah, uh, I've taken a few strolls, potentially leaving the quiver on the front seat or actually on the rear floor specifically. Uh, I've taken the rifle out and forgotten the rounds in the trunk and stuff like that, you know. But it, it is just a reason to get out there. And the good thing about deer hunting is if you're not big on bushcrafting, it's a good way to get out there and still enjoy the woods. Uh, and if you are getting into bushcrafting, it's a great way to see how to process game and stuff that you can translate into potentially if you did want to get out there bushcrafting during the appropriate seasons and whatnot, snare a few rabbits, harvest, uh, skin, process, all that right in the woods. Because two different animals, of course, but processing game, there there's a lot of similarities between uh, most mammals, I should say, uh, ungulates and rabbits for sure there's a lot of similarities there uh if you want to get into like actual case dressing and stuff like that birds a little different again but anyway it's all skills you can literally translate into other areas that may assist you with your bushcrafting ability yeah and you don't have to hunt uh to do that i mean i put my game cameras out and uh i got mad at me last year because on four different occasions before i did get my deer I came face to face with him uh, four times uh, when I was going back to check game cameras and never carried a gun with him. Because <laughs> most of the time, I'm just I'm going back to see what was back there and, and enjoy. Maybe it's only an hour in the woods, so I wouldn't even bring the gun or the bow with me. I was just taking a hike back. I checked my game camera, maybe uh, cook a steak or something on a little fire off somewhere, and walk back. But uh, the enjoyment I get out of those cameras is just as much as, as the hunting part. And anyone can do that. They can buy a relatively inexpensive one, set it up, and, and see what's out there. Oh, for sure. And like you said, they are relatively inexpensive. Uh, just so happens I pulled my a couple of tester cameras down uh, for the storm. And I mean, I think this, this was a two-pack for on sale for 110 bucks 120 bucks somewhere in around that area and i mean they're they're not the best cameras out there on the market by far but they they're not bad no. i was surprised at the images that came back like i i was uh i was pleasantly surprised for the money that was put in the quality that came out of it yeah they've come a long way so even the cheaper ones are they're quite good And honestly, even if you're not into the, the hunting to, to kill type thing, 
to uh, to just get out and take a camera and and a skill that takes to just get those good photos of, of animals in, in wildlife different birds different animals I mean it, it opens up a whole other thing but it's a type of hunting that doesn't necessarily involve to kill because some people aren't into that and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that there's nothing wrong with people who who enjoy animals and, and can't you know it's not it's not their thing I don't I don't diss that but it, there's a, a gentleman in New Brunswick a good friend of mine uh, Nathan Robinson uh, he uh, does photography for some of the kayak tournaments and bass tournaments that I'm in or I've been in but uh, he's become quite a wildlife photographer. His pictures of moose over the past few months have just been amazing. But he took, I think, two or three weeks. He's off right now. He's at moose camp. He's not hunting. Well, he is hunting, but he's hunting with an expensive camera. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. That's his vacation this year is taking pictures of moose during the, the rut, basically. That he's calling them in. He's doing everything that we might do if we went moose hunting, except he's carrying a camera, and just the camera. Yeah. And I and I know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gary. Or not, Gary. Ben. I, was, I think that, you know, if I was so inclined to to do that, that would be more enjoyable. Because the fact is, once when you go, you know, for a, a deer hunt, once you get your deer, you got your deer. You're kind of done, and. I know guys who see one on the first day and like I'm not shooting that that ends my season but with with photography your season is as long as you want it to be there's no real season per se you know it's just till your next shot I used to pass up every deer because a week at deer camp wasn't until the second to last week of the season because that was when it was most likely to have snow yeah. And uh, it would have taken, I don't think I ever shot one in those first three weeks of the season. It would have taken a very special one for me to, to take. Now, nowadays, with the bow hunting or muzzle loader, I could possibly take one now and, and, uh, and then take one during the general deer, deer season and get two. Um, I haven't actually done that. I've only gotten got the one a year, but uh, there are ways that you can. With the, the primitive weapon, if you hunt with any of the primitive weapons, you can have the opportunity to get yeah. your second deer. Yeah, no, for sure. Much like yourself, normally if I net one, uh, I definitely don't try that hard on a second one. I may go out a little bit more with the father-in-law uh, than go out bow hunting, but I don't know if I can handle two deer. I don't think I got the freezer space. <laughs> I'm sure I don't have the freezer space this year. If you, if you guys run out, just just gonna throw that out. <laughs> no. If I get a deer this year, Ben, I will happily give you a steak, <laughs> but or uh, roast or some burger or whatever you want. Or just come camping with me and bring it. That's all I ask, really. <laughs> well, why don't we go camping and get the deer, and then you can take whatever you want. Sure. Seems to me I fed Ben some deer meat on our uh, November camp out last year. Yeah, you cooked it up on the little bio. Uh, the yeah, bio, bio light. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Oh. Yeah, that was a trip that we really could have had set out snares and stuff on that trip. And that was a, that was a beautiful trip. And I think we seen quite a bit of sign that time, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we had the snow overnight, so we didn't have any going in, so that would have been a problem. But uh, certainly seen some rabbit time the next day in the fresh snow. Well, that first night, had we set snares, the next morning we would have had to bear, dig them out. Yeah. Because we got, we got what, two foot of snow almost? Or over a foot for sure. Over a foot, man. Yeah. Your, your ice fishing hut collapsed under the weight of the snow. Yeah, it's not in much better shape right now, really. No? You still haven't fixed that? <laughs> I think she's done. Oh, buddy. We can fix that. I can see a piece of fiberglass pole right from here. I can fix that with. The other thing is, I think the days of me just going to a lake next to a road and setting up the ice shack, yeah. that doesn't happen very much anymore. I'm more apt to go where I have to hike into one. Yeah. There's a few lakes within an hour that I have to hike in about a kilometer or two. I've ended up taking the hot tent on a sleigh with me last year. Uh, we'd only got back a few times and fish a couple hours and have to leave. Being able to go in and actually stay there at night, um, that's really rekindled my interest in doing a little ice fishing. And then I threw in some snaring with it. So I'm kind of looking forward to that this winter as well. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that really appeals to me. That that does uh, watching you do that last year, it definitely uh, appealed to me. I mean, you got together once last year to try some ice fishing. It was less than spectacular. That was <laughs> as ice fishing can be sometimes. Well, we had some bad luck, but <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, 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 I I've never had great luck ice fishing. Uh, I've I've often tried it. I still think it's it's an enjoyable and fun activity, and I look forward to every time I get to do it. But I don't catch much when I ice fish. I think that generally I'm bad luck for that. But it's it's fun. You can't be worse than me, Ben. Can't oh, be worse than oh, me. ice fishing! I am par with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, par's par's bad, Ben. Like here's normal fisherman, bad luck fisherman, me. Like you no, know, no. I'm down below my mic board here. <laughs> you know, you give me a fishing rod in a river, you know, in in in, in spring, summer, and even early fall, I'll fish you all day. <laughs> oh, buddy, you, you put give a bit me of dynamite in the lake, and I'll get you something. <laughs> <laughs> um, next year we got to get you down to Lake Gasper Lake getting those uh, pickerel. Yeah, yeah, that that was. Good. I went bass fishing for the first time this year, and uh, that's a pile of fun. I ended up getting one bass and one mackerel of all things. I seen so. Gary got a couple of nice bass this year. Keepers, yeah, Gary, or what? I think you're fucking stripers, are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm after stripers. Oh. I've caught. Probably 50 stripers this year, uh, which isn't that much uh, considering where I live. Um, because if I could have went down at high tide tonight and caught 20, uh, but that's not saying they'd be keepers. Uh, if I get three or four a year, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I just haven't put the time in this year. So, I yeah, did, I was gonna say, I should I say, I've got one keeper. Yeah, I, I I caught fourteen or fifteen schoolies on the fly rod two weeks ago. That was an absolute blast. Uh, but they were nowhere. They weren't within ten inches of being a keeper. I don't think. Yeah, because for different areas, it's different lengths and different types of bass, like large mouth versus striped. Because I think the striped was twenty to twenty five inches or nineteen to twenty five inches or something like that. Is the keeping limit for out there in Big Island? You see, that's up your way. Here, they have to be over twenty seven. 
Mm. Or 27.4 or something like that for the minus yeah, base. I know it's different for the areas, and that's why I'm not just traveling around trying my luck because I'm sure I'd screw it up <laughs> and I'd have somebody tell me, you know, that's going to go back. Or, if memory serves me, the Northumberland has slots, which would make sense if you're, let's say, 20 to 25 inches. I don't know what the slot limit is. Uh, in the minus basin, it has to be a big fish. Mm. Uh, so 27.4 inches or whatever it is, it's 27 point something and up, um, which is, you know, that's quite a fish. I mean, the biggest one I've ever caught in the kayak was 41 inches and and that took me to a different town by the time I landed it, so. <laughs> I was gonna say, for anybody that doesn't appreciate it, go grab a measuring tape and measure out what 41 inches is, and then picture trying to reel that in on a small boat. <laughs> I was, was a hundred yards off the Kingsport Wharf at 2.30 in the morning when I hooked it. It immediately pulled me off anchor, and I was in Wolfville across the line of space when I landed it and got back to the wharf at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> so that's a good fishing tale, but it, it, it adds light to this whole uh, hunting and camping. You can go just as much fishing and camping as well. Like there's a lot, of, as you were saying, Gary, you can pack up your stuff. You can go in, either do ice fishing. You can do lake fishing if the water's open. It's just another reason to get out there and gives you something to do if by chance you have uh, a little spare time that you don't want to try to be doing something else. Like I, I, Ben and I have talked about this in the past. Anytime we're in the woods, we're always tinkering with something. There's very little downtime. But if you go in to actually make a point of doing said activity, be it hunting, fishing, uh, you can actually have a ton of time and a, quite an enjoyable experience. Even though you got towed way out of way, I, I'm going to assume uh, not only was the story good for that, but you probably had a smile for the rest of the day and the, probably the rest of the week landing something that size. I think both me and the fish were done by the time. <laughs> it was in the morning hours of the morning, so it was dark and that. But you're right. Like for Nova Scotia, where Ben and I were talking, where I camped last year, a couple of my videos, you can hunt. The lake is open year round. So, whether, right, like if we weren't to go to that spot camping right now, we could fish from shore or you know put a kayak in if it's during the winter you can ice fish there isn't a month in in uh, nova scotia that you can't fish and then and for most of the fall through the winter there's always something you can hunt yep i, lo I love putting that tag on like yeah i'm gonna go hot tenting but i'm gonna do a little hunting or a little snaring or a little fishing no, and once again, during the winter, uh, or at least snow-covered months, it does add another activity to do because you don't have the, you potentially don't have the niceties of being able to do some of the tinkering stuff you can do in the non-snow-covered months. I mean, there's other things you can do. Don't get me wrong. There's always something to do. But it, it definitely gives you a sense of satisfaction if you go out and do a little camping, set a few snares, and you land a few rabbits, or you drill a hole in the ice and you get yourself a fish. It just It's kind of the icing on the cake in my eyes. Yeah. And with, if you have snow covered, you can take a sled. It certainly enables you to get gear back in easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in winter, it's kind of the canoe of the winter, right? Like, it's, it allows you to carry that extra bit of gear that you wouldn't want to just hike in with by, without that assistance. Uh, and that's, that's always a great thing. Um, 
I'm definitely looking forward to. I, I have to get a better sled this year. I tried the $14 Noma style cheap sled, and every time I went downhill, the, the front end dug in. Tore the front off, didn't you? Oh, oh okay. It just I, dug in. I just I cracked it up. I did didn't tear it off, but she's in hard shape, buddy. She's got a few cracks. Uh, well, now that my uncertainty has passed for weekends, uh, I might be able to get some sort of scheduling done here again. Yeah. Instead of walking on eggshells. Yeah. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was a good time. We'll chat after the show for sure. But uh, nope. Now, hopefully, a few weekends. I can I will at least be able to say I'm not, sh or I won't be saying I'm not sure anymore. It'll either be a yes or a no. I got a slot for you this weekend, buddy. I can slide you right in. <laughs> Might be a little close. I don't know if Mel would be happy with that one. She's still gone. She's not coming back till Friday. No. Oh, uh, yeah. I have to be gone Friday night. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, well. No. But uh, no. Um. Yeah, we'll chat after the show, but kind of jumping back on topic somewhat. Um, Gary, you, something you said is you can fish any month in the uh, any month of the year. What might be interesting at some point because I my fishing experience is limited as Ben and I just about quite a bit. Uh, not only am I not good, I'm not knowledgeable. Might be interesting to get uh, some information on some of the things you can do on the different months. I wasn't aware that you could fish every month of the year. I knew that you could ice fish and you could, you know, fish during the open season. I always assumed there's a couple months in there that you just weren't allowed to throw wine in the water. Well, when you get your fishing license, you get your regulations book. And you'll see that your fishing license is good from April 1st, normally, unless they cancel it for a month through the COVID, uh, to March 31st. Yep. So, um, in your in the different areas that the provinces split up in in that bulk there'll be regulations and there, most of them will have places that are extended seasons or all year uh, for instance uh, most people know of this meadow pond when they drive from windsor to halifax it looks like an old quarry on the side of the road and they always see people fishing there you can see it right from the 101 that's open year round uh, it's not much good at fishing in the summer because it gets too hot, but you'll see people this fall fishing there. Uh, there's a couple lakes in Kings County where I live that are open. There's at least three that are open year-round. There's some that are open as far as December 31st. Um, a lot more down Yarmouth Way, like uh, the Matagan River. People have heard of Matagan for the most part in Nova Scotia, but any lake or stream that's attached to the Matagan River is open year-round, at least for chain pickerel and white perch and stuff. So hmm. there's usually opportunity. I know there's some in HRM uh, that have rainbows in and stuff that are open year-round. There's there's places, and of course, Cape Breton has the Bredor Lakes where that's tidal. That would be open year-round. So there's usually something in every county or there's some opportunities there for fishing. That doesn't mean it's going to be good fishing, but um, I have caught fish in every month of the year, so um, they can be caught. What you tell me is I need to read my regulation book again. <laughs> That's the Perhaps just keeping it stowed in the bottom of the bag is not the best place for it. Yeah, and sometimes it's just it, like 
we're into bushcraft and all that, but I mean, I'm huge into fishing. I used, well, I just started competitive fishing again and having some success this summer, but I used to competitive fish a lot uh, back 17 years ago. Uh, sometimes it's just going to your local meetings. Like for fisheries, there's what's called a, a Recreational Fisheries Advisory Council. And they'll have uh, meetings in the usually in the fall of, in every section of the province. And uh, if you show up to them, you can ask questions. And in one case, I asked a question about two lakes in, in Kings County. They're walk-in lakes. There's no roads to them that didn't have trout in them, but had perch and bass and pickerel. And I said, is there any reason why these two lakes aren't open? They took a look at it, wrote me back a month later, and now they're open year round. Interesting. Uh, so people who get involved in the sport, you know, put some effort into, I go to the meetings when I can to try to, you know, see what the state of the fishery is or to try to do my part. Uh, you can sometimes increase opportunities out there because there's lots of water out there that, I mean, they don't want people fishing where the native brook trout are all winter because they're very susceptible to overfishing. You'll see it in Ontario. Uh, if there's a snowmobile path to a lake, chances are the brook trout are very low, if at all, have any population left because you can get over a, a school of them and fish them out. So, uh, but there is, a, there is lots of opportunities in Nova Scotia and there's hopefully more. Welcome back there, uh, Robert. <laughs> what happened? there, but I'm back. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I, I got the gist of that. And yeah, once again, that's that's great information for me because I've never been much fisherman. I don't even lie about that. But it's something I'd actually like to try and develop. I've never been super great at fishing. Uh, I've always done like small brook fishing, and that's about all I'm good at, if you can call it that, Ben. <laughs> but no, it, it's definitely um, something that I myself at least will at least pull the book out and give it another look, and maybe I'll look for some of these meetings. I know they have similar meetings for hunting and ATVing and stuff like that. I, I didn't know such a thing existed for uh, fishing. So where do you get information on this stuff? Is it going to be in the book who to contact or is there a website uh, or? i'm not sure if the recreational fisheries council is listed in there there's probably a contact uh or if you contact it your you know the the what's it the department of forestry or natural whatever the department of hands and forestry right now i think is what it's going by this week but uh, uh, it's through them so they'd have the information because i've gone once and i gave them my email I get the dates for the, the valley area uh, when there's a meeting coming up. I'll get an email a month or so before, and they're open to anyone. Um, sometimes it's just interesting. Uh, you know, they might have someone, they had a, a girl biologist there who's studying striped bass in, in our waters, and uh, she just did a presentation that night. Incredibly interesting information if you have an interest in that in that fish which you know i do because it's right in my backyard uh but uh, if you're into fishing it's worth worth maybe having a look at no for sure and uh it's all good information like regardless even if you don't have the interest in it i'm sure you'll find something from the meeting that is at least going to pique your interest 
Yeah. You know, I think it's great. I, I had only heard about it, I think, this year when you were telling me about it. Yeah, we were ice fishing. You mentioned that having proposed a couple of uh, lakes and got them done. So they, that's the first I'd heard of that. But uh, yeah, definitely important to get involved in your in your sport and 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 push for those you know changes and improvements. Well, the lake that we were on wasn't always open for ice fishing either. No. Uh, someone at some point went in and said, "You know what? This would be a good spot for it. To, to, uh, a good opportunity because they're looking." Nova Scotia is looking at giving us more winter opportunities, but they're afraid to do the leg work because time, resources, and stuff. And they're afraid of harming the native stocks. So it's quite often if it's a lake that has chain pickle or something like that, uh, or, or white perch and, and no uh, viable trout population, uh, they're looking at trying to open places up to give get people outside and anything that gets us outside is is good in my book so so i should be proposing to get my lake done no uh, they wouldn't do yours no? guarantee yeah <laughs> yours would be good for it uh, but because of some of the activities that go on there in the spring they'd never open it for ice fishing yeah i guess hmm. Although I've never seen a trout in there. Of course, I've never seen those other fish you've seen there either. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that you were up there fishing uh, a little bit, Gary, and uh, potentially pulled some stuff out of that lake that Ben Ben didn't really know was there. He's got a pretty special place there, I think. Uh, Ben's I a pretty to... special person. <laughs> I'm <laughs> special, all right. <laughs> Last Sunday, I think I released a video of my trip uh, up on Ben's water, and uh, it was uh, pretty impressive stuff. There, there's some definitely some big fish in that water. Yeah, yeah. No, I was impressed. Uh, but uh, Robert, you're 100 percent right. You should uh, you should get out there with Gary and do some fishing. And uh, I'll definitely join if I'm invited. <laughs> but, uh, no, well, no, for sure. I, I definitely want to go out and get some experience. Gary seems like the kind of guy that I should at least be able to uh, steal, I mean, acquire some information from when it comes to fishing. I think a group Gasparo Lake trip to one of the island campsites would be a hoop for a weekend. Definitely would. I can probably even loan you a boat there, Robert. Well, yeah, I definitely need a boat because, I mean, I could try doing the breaststroke the whole way, but, man, it wouldn't go well. Yeah. If we went in the back way that I've been going this year, uh, we wouldn't have to worry so much about the weather uh, because it's we'd be far enough back where we'd be more sheltered than uh, the trip I took Ben on the year before. As long as we don't take uh, Jeremy, we'll be fine. Yes, that's true too. Yeah. And I fixed that problem. Like, I took Jeremy's boat from him. I was going to say, what's wrong with Jeremy? He packs up so small. He's like add on <laughs> luggage. He had more, more pounds and gear with him than he weighs last year. 
Well, to be fair, that is kind of Jeremy's thing. He likes to test the gear. He likes, uh, yeah, he likes to test the gear. Let's leave it at that. Oh, I'm not going to jump head first on that rabbit hole. That's for sure. But no, I, um, yeah, no, I did take his boat away from him. He doesn't have a boat anymore. He's got no watercraft. No. It, it, it wasn't safe for him. It really wasn't. No, it was the, it was the uh, wrong tool for the job, for sure. Yeah, it, it was entertaining, though, wasn't it? Well, I did more worrying on our way out there. That uh, <laughs> I tried to stay on the outside of you guys because uh, yeah, it didn't look good. And Gasper will get <laughs> at the best of times. Yeah. Yeah, I th I think if I did it again, I'll take the twelve foot or or the sixteen foot. I won't I won't take I I I've never take the eight foot, but ten foot was okay. I think. I I did go from that landing, all the way back. It's a fifteen kilometer paddle, yeah. uh, this year few nights. Uh, it was enjoyable. It doesn't take forever, but you are sort of at the mercy of the weather. Yeah. Uh, where you can go into another spot. It's more remote in a 200-yard portage, and you're in the thick of things where you can, where you not have large swaths of open water, and, and you're right into the fishing from the start, and there's a couple couple ground land sites out there. Uh, if the weather was iffy at all, I'd definitely uh, say go in the back way. Well, I think you hit a good point there, though, and, and that's regardless, I mean, this week, was a bit of an example of it, but anytime you go in the woods, you do have to sort of take weather in consideration. Uh, and something I've always tried to do, I always kind of prepare for at least one extra day at the end, uh, mm. because you don't know what's going to happen. You you could get delayed by a day in there, easy. It, it doesn't take much for the, especially on boats and stuff, for the wind to come up and you get pinned ashore and you're better off just waiting it out than trying to push through. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we experienced that with Jeremy, that those winds when we came around the point were pretty extreme, uh, especially for some of the equipment we had, and we were much better off settling down. I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, it's funny, but, uh, and I've heard a ton of stories. Uh, like, I'm going to Kedji again this, this year. I've heard a ton of stories of people on Kedji, like, the wind comes up and there's no point in trying to go through and me and my wife pushed through bad weather one time and sunk two well i sunk one kayak completely and hers had i bet you over 100 pounds of water in it when i pulled it out yeah, i've always compared the two lakes because yeah. uh, they're both big they're both shallow yeah so the wind can pick up across them and there's no place for the water to go but up. uh so both both lakes are, are very susceptible to dangerous winds uh, and uh, that always has to be in the back of your mind if you're spending time on either one of them um, like i say i have backup plans for for gasparo even if i did go in the long way if i had to scoot out the short way and walk 15 kilometers to get out to the main road to get someone to pick me up that might be the best choice uh, if I had to get out, or you plan, you know, two days, but you have a third day just in case you get wind down. Yeah. 
Um, and of course, still stand by. You always let people know where you're going and when you expect to be back. And I mean, that just well, gentlemen. I hate to cut it short, but I am being summoned. Summoned, semi, semi, sorta here. So. I am going to bow out tonight. I'm sorry I can only pop in for a small little chat here with you. Uh, shoot me a message when you're done there, Ben. Gary, uh, thanks for coming on to the show. Sorry I couldn't chat more, but you gentlemen finish it up and have a good night. Thank you. Hey, Robert, we probably won't be far behind. <laughs> All right, yeah. see you guys. My wife's just getting home from work herself, so... Yeah, so uh, I guess we could summarize a little bit. I mean, we talked a bit about, you know, some safety stuff like, you know, your bright orange, making sure people are aware of your to choose areas that are, you know, aren't as frequented by hunters. But then on the flip side of it, if you want to get out and do some hunting, uh, it definitely adds an aspect to it. We got talking about fishing and stuff. Uh, overall, I mean, I think, you know, it all plays a part in it. Getting out in the woods, anything you can do out there is is, is great, uh, and uh, I mean it's it's definitely something we become quite passionate about. You are you're obviously very passionate about the sport, uh, especially fishing and hunt, hunting. And your rabbit catching last year was was quite good. I think it did really good for your channel, did it not? Like, is that some of your better viewed episodes? Or I think the hot tents really outshine everything, but. Uh... The point of my channel is I'm going to do stuff that I enjoy, and yeah, it's usually going to have a little touch of fishing or a little bit of hunting in there. Yeah, that's what gets me out in the woods, and uh, any excuse to get in the woods is a good one. So, I I agree a hundred percent. You know, for for me, it can be anything to almost nothing that that gets me out there, uh, but. Uh, everything out there definitely adds something to it whether it's just you know getting that that special uh sunrise or sunset or just you know enjoying a good meal at a fire uh but having something else there there to do to kind of occupy your time and and sort of how do you say just add to it it just it does it does make it very enjoyable uh the fishing you know is a, is a great time. Hunting is always uh, fun and challenging. This, I think that's a big part of the additional challenge. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, and we're coming to the best part of the, or at least my favorite part of the year. I've got more time booked off between now and the end of November uh, than I had the rest of the year combined. Uh, I'm not going to let people hunting keep me from getting in the woods. Uh, and I'm looking forward to get out in the woods as much as humanly possible over the next two months so yeah it's a great time for work, so well i'm noticing that the leaves are already really changing colors around here i don't know what they're like down your way i don't know about the leaves changing colors but after the little bit of a tropical storm there's a coating of uh, acorns all over my lawn so <laughs> uh i've noticed for the last week week and a half there's more and more reds and yellows starting to show through, uh, especially I think like the maple seem to be changing. There's a few other trees for sure. Uh, my oak tree outside that won't change till December. That that thing's the last tree in the entire province to change. I swear, but 
but uh, yeah, no, I'm seeing a lot more. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping when I get down to Kedji, I'll see a few. But I know that they seem to hold on for another week or two longer than out here. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, it is possibly some of the most beautiful time of year getting out in the fall uh, for the leaves and stuff. But the weather's also, I think, in a lot of ways, some of the best weather we get. Uh, it's not so hot that you're you're uncomfortable. It's cool enough that you can really enjoy it. You can really hike and, and get out there. So it really is a great time uh, to be out there. Uh, and like you said, it's not the hunting is not what it was necessarily years ago. I think overall people are a little bit safer, and, and it's not as as uh, saturated as it was once was. And so just a little bit of caution and, and some common sense goes a long way. And October the 15th is not that far away. And uh, for those of us that like the outdoors, and particularly the outdoor cooking, that might be a significant date. Uh, because from October 15th to March 15th, uh, we can have fires during the day. Yeah. Uh, where we can't from 8 a.m. to 2 right now at least uh starting october 15th firing a fire ban um that's when the outdoor cooking really becomes a, a primary interest to me too that's a very really good point it's something i don't think we've really talked a lot of it on this on this on these podcasts we do mention cooking by fire and, and the fire ban a lot and robert's even gone to the point of explaining what drives the fire ban but yeah like you said october 15th you know all day fires is, is, is more of a possibility uh barring bad weather conditions and stuff and uh that, that's definitely a pretty good thing especially if you're going out for a couple of nights yeah it's probably one of the, my most enjoyed activities in the woods is cooking over a fire yeah. don't get to do it a lot particularly this year but uh I certainly enjoy it when I have the opportunity, so I'm looking forward to that coming up. Yeah, me too. Uh, the last trip I had, the good trip with a, a few friends, we were watching the weather up to a few weeks before, and it was so dry, like it was generally a fire ban. That was a huge disappointment to us. And fortunately, like just before our trip, we got a little bit of rain, and they lifted it, and we could have fires in the evening. But we were really worried that everything would have to be done on, on the uh, little canister stoves, which is not quite as fun. It definitely does. Well, uh, uh, you'll see from a, if anyone watches any of my videos from early this summer, the opposite nearly always happened to me. I'd go out there looking at, oh, the days leading up, I can have a fire at 7. And then I check it the afternoon that I arrive at camp and the fire bit full on fire behind always hit so I, I i seem to have very bad luck this year for that uh, so i did get a lot of use out of my new canister stove so okay. i mean well that's fun it's just not the same as cooking over a fire no it's not and, and funny enough uh just there over march break i got a couple of rims and i'd welded myself a little fire pit for my backyard and i swear that like while i was welding it they they just they put like a province wide fire ban on for the next couple of weeks. I I got so mad I just took the whole thing and I tossed it, <laughs> and I didn't finish it till midsummer. <laughs> yeah, that was 
one of the few things we were looking forward to and couldn't do at that time, but it was an interesting time. Anyways, buddy, it is getting late. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you, and I know we'll be talking in the next few weeks for sure. Um, and we'll definitely have to plan to get together and do something fun and exciting again soon. Uh, yeah, well, I think I have a certain girl in here that uh, definitely wants to get out. So uh, we'll have to try to make that happen at some point. So I think I didn't, wouldn't have to look too far to find one or two of those myself. Right. So, uh, well, certainly, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Uh, anytime, but yeah, uh, we we keep hinting that we are eventually going to do the uh, campfire episodes where we get like myself and Robert and hopefully you and and maybe Jeremy and a few other people on occasion, maybe a rotating crew where we just get together and chat, not about any particular subject. So, just. Just tossing it out there, no specific day or, or plan for that yet, but yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would. Anyways, something to tease people about maybe in the future. We've been teasing them for quite a few months about the whole concept, but anyways, thanks a lot, buddy. We'll be talking. Take All care. right, thank you. Good night, everyone else. Get out there, have fun, be safe, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Right out.